Well, I tell you, the first service this morning, I thought that was awesome. It's even better this time. Man, that's awesome. I, and that's great. And again, I want to thank everybody that has done anything to help us in worship this morning. And uh, I know some of you thought Jack was back. And uh, didn't, no one asked me that during the welcome time. This, but the first service, I had several people say, is Jack all right? I thought he was back. So they thought something had happened to Jack. Jack is still on his R&R time. He's going to be back tomorrow. And so I'd like to encourage you to continue to pray for him. This is his last day of rest, which I doubt if he's really seen any rest, but he's supposed to be rested. So uh, pray for him that, man, he'll come back fully charged and feeling so good. And you got to know that that artery being opened up and that blood flowing the way God intended it to, he's got to feel better. So uh, please, please, please pray for our Pastor Jack. Well, what is Christmas to you? I think December the 2nd, to me, this year, is the kickoff of the Christmas season. I always feel like the first Sunday in January is Christmas. Man, we are ready to celebrate. It's here. What did you say, Bobby? <laughs> Man, you know, I don't know what to say. But uh, I guess that's why they record everything now. But... <laughs> Man, why are you talking about Christmas in January? Well, it's, you know, anyway. Uh, let me say that again. <laughs> the, first, the first Sunday in December to me is the beginning of Christmas. That's the Christmas season to me. So, uh, man, to see how we're going to celebrate starting this first Sunday in December. I was going to Bilo this morning to... Uh, to grab me a paper because I couldn't wait to see what the headlines was going to be today about the Savior. I mean, this is the big news. Our Savior's born. It's Christmas. So I wanted to see it there. Man, come join us as we celebrate the birth of the Savior. But uh, I didn't find that. Instead, in fact, it, the heading was a little bit better than normal. Uh, gentle Bush answered call to government service. Bush was a good guy. I really, and in fact, I heard him interview his pastor. And his pastor was sharing about how he served in the church and how much he loved to go. He, he served coffee at his church. The president of the United States and they're serving coffee. I like that. And I thought that was a great thing. And, but I still wanted to see something about my Savior in the paper. We talk, it shares about the Panthers McCaffrey. Shares about Discovery Place. Homeowners need to brace for the new property tax. That's a, anyway, but nothing about the Savior. <laughs> nothing. So I was sort of disappointed. But I did find something about Christmas in the paper. And uh, according to our culture that we live in today, the message was in there. And if you open up the funny papers, here's the message. 
section after section after section. Christmas ads, Christmas ads, Christmas. And all of it telling us what we got to have. All of it telling us. According to the world today, man, this is Christmas. That's what it's all about. No, join us as we celebrate the birth of the Savior. But instead, we saw all the ads. We saw all the ads about what Christmas is, what you got to have. No mention of our Savior. All was about what culture really is today. Every day, every day, we're going to be bombarded with ads, commercials, and everything telling us what we need to do to get ready for Christmas. It tells us what, what we've got to have for ourselves. And it also tells us if we really love somebody, then, then, then this is what you've got to get them. So if I don't get what they're saying I ought to get, then am I telling my wife I don't love her? Hmm. Nothing to do with the Savior. But you know, Paul shared some things that, that we're really not accustomed to for Christmas. We don't think about this. Where do we turn for the Christmas story? We don't turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But Paul had something to share. He had something to share about what's really important. It's all important. But let me share these words with you. If you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to see what he had to share with the church at Corinth. Chapter 15, <clears throat> verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least the least of the apostles. For I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I per persecuted the church of God. But by the grace, I am what I am. And by his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 
Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Christmas is the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for what happened in Paul's life and what changed his direction in a drastic way. And God, the desire that he had that we might all know the truth. And especially those people that he was speaking to, the Corinthians there, God, that had been taught some wrong stuff. And I pray today, God, that we will be challenged to make this the greatest Christmas season that we've ever known. Speak to our hearts. Help us to understand in a greater way. And God, above all, I pray that you'll be glorified in our worship service here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Christmas is the gospel. What, what, what were you thinking? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Was it, what is Christmas? Oh, let me tell you about Christmas. What are those things that we tell? Sometimes we tell about the little baby that was born, laid in the manger. Is that Christmas? Yeah, that's part of it. But Paul is sharing the main truth to these people there in Corinth. He's sharing the resurrection and the gospel. Jesus Christ defeated death and he paid our sin debt. What, what a gift. What a gift. The most perfect gift that's ever been given was his gift to us. Paul's readers had received Christ. They had trusted Jesus. They had been saved. And were now standing on his word as the assurance of their salvation. So Paul took that fact that they were standing on the word firm that it was the proof of their faith. That their faith was genuine. It was not an empty, shallow faith. They had really, really found God. Their lives were totally changed. So Paul shares some truths he wanted to teach them. He wanted them to understand what the gospel really was, what it was all about. So Paul had proof. Excuse me. How does page five get into place page two? <laughs> oh, we did this one time this morning. <laughs> I apologize. That wasn't planned. So Paul shares the truth. And because of that truth, I'm one that can stand before you here this morning is a life that has been drastically changed by this gospel. Amen. And many of you, and I'd say most of you, are sitting here today and you've experienced that drastic change. But when you think about Paul, boy, look how drastic 
that life change was. You know, and I, I can't help but think about, think about Paul and what God did and how God used him. And I can't help but think about some of you that I know that God's made a real change. I, I think about our pastor. Wow, what a mess. And I, and I don't mean this disrespectful in any way, but Jack Holmesley was far, far from Christ when he came to know him. His life was drastically changed. And, and have you ever noticed when we're doing something and, man, he's so involved in worship, and, and many of you are too, and we're worshiping God and we're thinking about what God's done in our life, and the tears start flowing because we are so thankful for what has happened and what God has done. So why, why does that matter? It matters because it can change your life too. This week is a great time to, to focus on what the real meaning of this season is all about. You know, it's easy to get busy, get all wrapped up into the running and the doing and, oh, picking out the right gift for so-and-so and, and being so happy that you're going to be able to give that to him or to them. But the coming of the Savior, coming of the Savior into our world to die for our sins and to be raised for our justification, that we could be made right. It's important for us to note that Corinth was in, was a Greek city and that the Greeks did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So when Paul had preached at Athens and declared the fact of Christ's resurrection, some of the listeners laughed. They laughed at Paul when he was talking about Christ being raised from the dead. They thought it was funny. So they just made bonk, they laughed, and they sneered. <laughs> What's he talking about? You know, and I thought about that, how Paul was laughed at. And I couldn't help but think about, why do some of us not witness today? Why do we not share the gospel? Well, I've, I've asked that question in small groups, and I've had people tell me, said, well... I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be laughed at. I don't want to be made fun of. Did this stop Paul from preaching the word and from sharing the gospel? Heavens no. How did Paul react to this? You know, I think, I think we don't think of ourselves as being like that at all. We don't think that, that we've ever been the person laughing or making fun. You know, man, we're all good Christian folks. But I can remember before I became a Christian, you know, I was not a real nice person. And I remember a couple knocking on my door to talk to me about Jesus. I got so mad. That ticked me off so bad. 
I kicked them off the porch, told them to never come back to my house. I can remember some good people in school that were really good people. And I didn't understand, but they lived for Jesus. And we made fun of them. Oh, we laughed at them. And I shared about a guy that, in one sense, I looked up to him, but I didn't want anybody else to know that. He was a good athlete. He was a year older than me. And uh, at one point in my life, uh, mother and daddy would take us when they were still together. They would take us to church and drop us off because I guess it was free babysitting. And uh, we were just there. Didn't really know anything. Uh, didn't understand the gospel at all. But I do remember I was in a Sunday school class with a bunch of guys. And there was this one guy that I came to know when I was a younger guy. And he would always leave Sunday school early. He would always get up and leave. And I always wondered, why, why does he leave? Well, I later found out that his dad was from another belief. He went to another church. And until he became 18 years of age, he had to go to church with his dad before he could make his own decision when he turned 18. So he would get, and, and, and I look back and I think, man, when I learned what he was doing, and I'm thinking, man, ain't no way I'd do that with my daddy. I, I, I just quit doing it. But he was obedient. He kept going until he was 18 years of age. I can remember playing ball with him. And like I said, he was a very good athlete. And uh, instead of looking up to him and being proud and all that, we just made fun of him. That was, that was really good. Why did Paul react the way he did to those people that made fun of him and those people that laughed at him. See, he understood that these people believed the way they did because they'd been lied to. There was false teaching that had been shared with them. This was something that Paul had to face head on. How do you like it when somebody lies to you? But just think of what this lie did to those people in Corinth. They didn't believe anything. They were lost as a goose and wouldn't pay any attention to the truth because of some liars that had taught them. It's also important to note that the believers in Corinth did believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were saved. So Paul started his argument with that fundamental truth. So Paul presents three facts to assure his readers that Jesus Christ indeed had been raised from the dead. Paul shares two main points in, in, this, in this passage. One, the reality of Christ's resurrection. Man, it's true. It happened. It's real. So he used their salvation to share with them as proof. Then he used the Old Testament scriptures and he talked about, you know, how the Old Testament prophesied the coming 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he used the fact that there was many witnesses that had witnessed Christ had really risen from that grave. And those people were there to testify about that. So in verses 1 and 2, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you were saved. I'm sorry, which you stand. Excuse me. By which you also are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul had come to Corinth. He had preached the gospel. And by their faith, they had been transformed. They had transformed lives that were completely different. So this was an integral part of the gospel message was the fact that Christ had been raised. And, you know, after all, what, what would a dead Savior do for anybody? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's dead. He's gone. There was nothing real about that. So I looked up and or I Googled, and uh, that's not something that I normally do. I don't usually spend time finding out how things happen and what all people can find at their fingertips. I've never done And Jack's always making fun of me about that, about telling you all you got to do is Google it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So... Uh, so anyway, I thought, well, I'm going to look and see. And so I typed in religiously. No, I didn't. I spoke it. I said, show me a list of religious leaders that claim to be God. I, I was blown away. I had no idea the list was as long as it was. But it was incredible. And it goes back in time and how long this has been going on. And how many religious leaders claim to be. Remember, I said, Religious. I didn't say anything about Christian. Religious leaders had claimed to be the be be God, and like I said, it was it was just unbelievable how long that list was. But guess what? Only one, only one, was raised from the dead. Where are all these other guys? Where are all these other false gods? Only one, Jesus Christ our Lord, and our Savior. And you know, when you look at that, you can't help, or I couldn't help, but think about this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why did God do this? Because he loved us. Man, his love was real. He knew why we needed this gift. Because the Bible goes on and his word says that, that we're all sinners. We're all sinners. It also says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God knew what gift we needed. Just like it's a whole lot easier 
to find a gift for that special someone in your life when you know what they really like and you know, boy, this is going to be so awesome. You can't wait for her to open. You can't wait for him to open that gift because, man, this is good. I really spent, my wife always has told me, but, you know, give it some thought, Tony. You know, think about it. And uh, I do stuff, everything the quick way, the easy way. But God knew what we needed. Man, so he gave the perfect gift. And his gift was his son. He died. He was buried. And he rose from the dead. Jesus Christ. Jesus defeated death. And he paid your debt and he paid my debt. What a gift. Man, what a perfect gift that we could spend eternity in heaven. Because if you and I paid that debt, we wouldn't be in heaven. God knew. God loved us that much and he was willing to do that. And Paul's readers had received this word. They trusted Jesus. They had been saved and were now standing firm on the word as assurance of their salvation. So Paul took this to be the fact that because they were standing on the word, there was proof that their faith was real, it was genuine, and it wasn't an empty, shallow faith. And that's why Paul addresses them in verse 1. He says, brethren, or brothers. So who are, who are the brothers? Our brothers are, are the family of God. It's those guys and those gals that have been born again into the same family. And Paul knew that their decision was true. So he addressed them as brothers. And then Paul said, hey, proof number two. I want you to realize, you know, please understand. It's the Old Testament scriptures. And he says, first of all, which means first importance, the first thing that, that Paul shared, the first thing he wanted these people to know, he wanted them to know the gospel. He wanted them to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as, his, as their personal Savior. And then he says, first of all, now this is the first thing. I'm sharing with you the first. And you know, the gospel is the most important message that the church ever proclaims. That's the most important message. Many of us spend a lot of time, many of us have family members that a lot of times we don't see because they're busy serving in all, all types of organizations, all types of community stuff, and stuff that, do, that does good work. And it takes all the time. They give all they've got. But they never share the gospel. There are many ministries today. Good ministries. Never share the gospel. I can remember my dad. He was a member of a couple of organizations that he, he spent all of his time with. 
He gave all of his time. He was never at home. Now, this was back when my family was all together, which didn't last too awful long, but he was never there. Daddy's lifestyle did not look like the lifestyle of a Christian. But he was given all he had to some of these organizations that did good stuff. And I used to make fun, and I'd say, Daddy, such and such is your church. You go to church over there at that such and such club. And to him, that's what it was all about. Oh man, we're doing good stuff. We're helping people. We're doing this. We're doing that. But there was no mention of the gospel. Nobody ever heard the word. Nobody ever knew the good news. There's no ministry or social action groups that should ever preempt the gospel. But it happens. There's a lot of good people that are part of that. One more time. How did Paul say this was truth? How did he know what was his source? He said in verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And in verse 4, And that he was buried and that he rose again that third day according to the scriptures. So what is his source? The scriptures, the word of God. So he was referring, Paul was referring to, to the Old Testament. Paul knew the law. He had been a diehard cracker jack Pharisee. And he knew what it was all about. It's all about the law. He didn't have a New Testament didn't have the book of Romans to share the Roman road or anything like that to lead people to Christ. He shared the gospel from the Old Testament. From the third chapter of Genesis through the rest of the Old Testament is shared the coming of a Savior. You know, as I think about that and how Paul shared and God blessed his ministry and man, I mean, it changed the world. And to be honest, I have never shared the gospel from the Old Testament. I've never sat down and talked to someone and said, well, well, well let, me, let me show you what, the, what God's Word says. I've never led anybody to Christ using the Old Testament. But boy, it's Paul did. And let me tell you, man, just look at what happened and how God had blessed the Apostle Paul, and what Paul accomplished. But all the way through the Old Testament, it talks about the coming of a Savior. And the prophet Isaiah shares this word. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of splendor. And when we see him, there is no beauty that should, we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. As they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet... It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put, he has put him to the grief. When you made his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow. 700 B.C. This was prophesied. Wow. A Savior. A Savior is coming. Was God's word true? You better believe it was. And not only, not only was this something God used for Israel, but to every nation on the face of the earth, This gospel was promised. And his work would be completed. In verses 3 and 4, Paul made sure that we understood the gospel. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins, again according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. Verse 3, he makes sure we know Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. Again, I say, Jesus Christ is the real gift. This is what Christmas is all about. God giving his people a gift that could change their lives for eternity. So not only did Paul share the proof by salvation, the proof of the Old Testament scriptures, 
He also used witnesses. Christ was seen by numerous witnesses. In verses 5 through 11, he says, and that he was seen by Cephas or Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also. Paul writing, as born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. And again, we, we don't think like that. We don't think that we're doing stuff against the church. When we do the things that we do that break up the fellowship, when they, we sow discord, we don't think, I mean, it's not us. But he shares the list of witnesses that loved him, that saw him, and that wanted people to know. On the cross, Jesus was, was seen by everyone. And he was exposed to, to the eyes of unbelievers or non-believers. But after the resurrection, he was seen by believers who could be witnesses, that they could testify to the resurrection, the true resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was seen by Paul, Peter, then by the disciples. And after that, he was seen by over 500 people at one time. Most of them were still living. They were still on the earth to where they could testify about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He was seen by James and then all the apostles. But the greatest witness of all of the resurrection was Paul himself. In verse 8, Paul says, Then, last of all, he was seen by me. Now, can't you just hear Paul? I mean, man, he's going to tell you, I saw him. I know it's true. People didn't believe him. Oh, I believe Paul would have been the wrong one to argue with. Because I believe he would let you know, let me tell you what I saw. And I'm telling the truth. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I know it. I know he's alive. I saw him. I think about some of the things that we do at funerals, especially from a strong believer. And a lot of times we're told when we're talking to the family that, now, you know, I hate to say this, but man, all of his grandkids are lost. They, they, they don't believe in Jesus at all. And so we'll take a time during, during that service and we'll say, you know, I really believe that if Frank could speak to us one more time, if he could just stand up and speak and talk to all of his family and all of his friends, he would want you to know one thing for sure. He'd want you to know. Word of God is true. Man, I believe it. I know for a fact Jesus Christ is real. Accept him today. 
Can't you just hear Paul doing that same thing? And then as I, as I look at how God used Paul in so many ways and how he changed the world for Christ, I think about how he says he was nobody. And then I look at people that are in ministry and people that maybe have been blessed in some way. And so many of people want you to know they're proud. They're proud, man. God's using me. Let me tell you how God's using me. And then I've even had friends that have told me, they said, hey, man, I, I saved so-and-so. Look at me. Only one person can save you. Jesus Christ is our Savior. Man can't save anyone. So this wasn't Paul's attitude. That what he said, for I am the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle. And it was by the grace of God that God really worked through him. Paul was quick to give credit for everything that happened in his life. It was all because of Jesus Christ and his great grace. Paul made it clear of his salvation. He made it clear that it was by the grace of God that he himself had been saved. The result of the gospel changed lives. That baby in the manger grew to be a grown man, a perfect man. And that perfect man died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Friends, that, that's Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus Christ and God's perfect gift to us. Please don't take it that I'm saying you can't give gifts at Christmas. And I know there's people that teach that. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying it's okay to meet with friends and family, people that we love, and it's okay to give them an expression of your love. But what I am saying is remember the reason. Remember the real reason is Jesus Christ, our Savior, and that's the gospel. Let's make sure that people know that that's the main thing for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the perfect gift that you gave for each one of us. And God, I thank you for all the lives that have been changed. But God, I pray if there's one here this morning that has not received your gift, then I pray that today might be the day that they would come to know you. And help us to share. Help us especially with our families the real reason for this season. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you haven't received that perfect gift, I want to encourage you to come forward this morning. Pastor Ryan will be here, I'll be here. And we would love to share to make sure that you receive that gift. And you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. What a great time for that to happen right here at the beginning of the Christmas season. And then maybe, maybe you're one of these people that, man, you put on, I don't want to call it a show, but you do such a great job 
presenting Christmas and everybody in your family can't wait to Oh, man, the house is decorated. Everything looks so great. It's awesome. Help us to remember to let everybody know that Jesus is the reason for the season and that we need to share him and to make sure that others know that. So, hey, if you want to receive that gift this morning and leave here knowing that, man, you're a child of God, I'm going to ask you to come forward this morning. And if you are the big Christmas person, but you haven't been sharing Christ with that, then maybe you need to come and kneel and just ask God to help you. Help me do it different this year, God. Help me show the world that you're the reason for this season. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing our hymn of invitation. Don't wait. Please come forward. Talk to Pastor Ryan, talk to me, or, stay, or deal here, and you spend time on your knees with God.